Yeah, I'm going to give you the injury updates. I'm going to give you some trade rumors. But most importantly, I'm going to give you the roadmap to defeating the New York Giants on Sunday. Don't overthink it. There's going to be a whole lot of these. But you're going to want to stay tuned on your Daily Commanders update for 19 October. Let's go. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to your Daily Commanders update for 19 October. Here on Ref the District, I am the Stoner, and we are a proud member of the Believe Network. Make sure you hit that like and you hit that subscribe. And if you are listening to us on any of the audio platforms, make sure you give us a rating and review. We appreciate all of you. We appreciate you for watching this video and sharing it and giving comments, all that good stuff. Let's get right to it. I'm not going to bury the lead here. I'm going to give you the roadmap to defeating the New York Giants on Sunday. It's really simple. You got to not overthink it. Run the f***ing ball. That's all there is to it. From an offensive standpoint, they just have to run the f***ing ball. That's it. Why are we overthinking this so much? Let me give you the stats on why that's so important. The New York Giants are giving up an average of 147 yards per game. That's astronomical, by the way. It's 31st in the league. They're terrible at stopping the run. So why aren't we just running the ball? Some people have said to us that, well, Washington doesn't run the ball well. Look at some of these games. We have six carries for 10 yards or 12 carries for 18 yards. Listen. Washington runs the ball just fine. The offensive line does not stink at running the ball. They don't. They're actually very, very good at it. If you look at the numbers, Washington averages 4.3 yards per carry. That's 11th best in the league. They're almost top 10 in yards per carry. The problem is they don't run the ball enough. And if you want to say, well, yeah, you can't run the ball when you're down. 27 to three at halftime in Chicago. Sure. That's an outlier. I totally get that. They ran the ball six times the entire game, which is outrageous regardless of what the score is, but every other game they've been in for most of the game, even though they lost to Buffalo 37 to three, that's not forget. It was 16 zero in the fourth quarter. They were still two scores away. They can still run the ball. B Rob ran the ball that day, 10 times for 70 yards. Now, there are some teams that those yards per carry get overinflated because they have a whole bunch of these 70-yard runs. If you look at Miami, Miami, they average like seven yards per carry, something like that, because they have those speed demons who are getting 70-yard runs and 80-yard runs and all that, and it inflates their yards per carry. Washington doesn't do that. The longest run they've had this year is 27 yards. So that 4.3 yards per carry is a very good indicator of what they do basically on every time they carry the ball. They just have to do it more. They've only rushed the ball an average of 20.7 times per game. 20.7. So if they would run the ball more, and by the way, 20.7 is 30th in the league. 32, 31, 30th in the league of the number of times they run the ball. They're not running it enough. That's the problem. 
we can all talk about this whole new age of football and how we have all these young coaches and these analytics and all these nerds in the front office. Nerds, I use that, uh, uh, you know, as a term of endearment, okay? And they're all trying to figure out all these different ways with these analytics and let's go for it on fourth down every time and let's do two-point conversions when we pull within eight points instead of just kicking the extra point. I'll never get that, but that's what the, the sheet says, the analytics sheet. It all still comes down to who wins the battle in the trenches, the offensive line and defensive line. Can you run the ball? Can you keep the other team off your quarterback? That's another thing that a successful run game does is it keeps that clock running. It keeps your defense off the field resting and limits their opportunity the other team's offense, the opportunity to score, and it helps protect your quarterback because he's not dropping back 55 straight times like he did against Chicago. And you also realize he dropped back 18 consecutive times to end the first half against Denver. 18 consecutive in the first half. We got to get out of this new age stuff. Win the battle in the trenches. So offensively, Run the ball, and you, this team will be successful because the Giants can't stop the run. Flip it around. Flip it around defensively. What do you got to do defensively? We've talked about it over and over on our show. We saw this defensive change coming. This defense was going to start playing better. Why? Because once you got through that gauntlet of Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, running quarterbacks, they were going to start playing more of that Cinco package, the five defensive linemen, and attacking the other team's ability to run and attacking the quarterback and saying, hey, quarterback, you beat us from the pocket because we're not going to let this quarterback, this, this running game, beat us. And for the rest of, the, the rest of their schedule, you've got 11 games left, if Daniel Jones doesn't play, 10 of those games are against pocket quarterbacks. The likes, the likes of Geno Smith and Mac Jones and Matt Stafford and Brock Purdy. I'm not saying they can't beat you from the pocket, but there's statues back there, and you don't have to lay back like they were against Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields and allowing them to just sit back there and do what they want. So it's going to be different defensively against the Giants. They're going to do everything. Their entire game plan is going to be stop Saquon Barkley. That's what they need to do to beat the New York Giants defensively is stop Saquon Barkley. Tyrod Taylor cannot beat the Washington Commanders by himself. If he does, tip your cap to him and say, hey, that was the proper game plan but you played a better game. I don't see it. I don't see how Tyrod Taylor, a career journeyman, a career average quarterback whose career record is 26, 26 and one. I don't see how he's going to just go back there and start picking you apart with guys like Wandale Robinson, who's a little banged up with um, uh, uh, Darius Slayton with third round pick Jalen Hyatt, who I really like, but, they're not getting him involved. And Darren Waller. 
That's the guy you got to be scared of as well. And he's going to make plays. Tyrod Taylor's going to make throws. He's going to make plays, but he's not going to do them consistently enough for him to beat the Washington defense. They're going to make plays. They're going to score points. They're going to do all that. Saquon's going to have a 35-yard run at some point in the game. You just have to contain it for the most part throughout the game. Look at the offensive line for the – let me get bring this up. The offensive line for the New York Giants. This is a tweet from Jordan Ra'anen, Ra'anen, a, a beat reporter, I believe, for The Athletic. Uh, sorry if I didn't get attribute you to the proper uh, uh, source. But their their offensive line is an absolute shambles. We saw on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football when they had uh, Justin Pugh, Jordan Pugh, what's his name? It doesn't matter because he's not good. They had him coming off the couch and playing left guard, and then halfway through the game, less than halfway, he's playing left tackle because their backup left tackle got hurt. Andrew Thomas, their left tackle, he's out. He's not playing. Their center. Their rookie center, John Michael Schmitz, he's out. Their right tackle, their starting right tackle, Evan Neal, he's out. Their other tackle, Matt Parrott, he's out. Josh Izudu, who replaced Andrew Thomas at left tackle, he's out. Shane Lemieux, I believe today, well, yesterday, tore his, his biceps in practice, he's out. And then J.C. Hassenauer, they're signing guys off other teams' practice squad to start. If Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, F.A. Obata, and Chase Young can't completely dominate this offensive line for the New York Giants, then they can't dominate anybody. And I believe they will dominate this game. You're going to see the same sort of game plan you saw against Atlanta, and you're going to see Cody Barton being able to get in and make plays because he's not going to have an offensive lineman coming out at him because you're going to have five defensive linemen taking up those five offensive linemen. That's what was successful against Atlanta. I just want to share that with you uh, just a little bit. And also, by the way, I didn't even mention this at the beginning. We're going to have a real quick um, film session at the very end, real quick, four plays about Khalid Hudson and why we think he should get more playing time. I just want to throw that uh, out there as well. So let's get to that's how you beat the Giants. Look, that's how you beat the Giants, plain and simple. You got to win the battle in the trenches, offensively and defensively. And Washington can do that. They have to do that to beat the Giants, to beat anybody on their schedule. Look, they got to face Jalen Hurts after this week. And that's a guy, you know, look, he's basically Superman over there and he's tough to defeat. But after that, like I said, you've got Mac Jones and Geno Smith and Matt Stafford and Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott and maybe Tyrod Taylor again. And who am I missing? Did, did I pretty much get it? Zach Wilson. I mean, these are guys that are not going to have a running game against you. Can they make plays with their legs? Yes, everybody can. But they don't design running plays like they do for the Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields of the world. Okay, you you seeing where I'm going? Just run the ball. 30 times minimum. Run the ball. Okay, let's get past that. There was a crazy trade rumor that came out. PFF put it out there. And look, everybody's trying to get engagement 
They're trying to get clicks, all that. We do it sometimes. It's just the nature of the beast. So I get it. But the hypothetical trade that PFF put out there was Chase Young to Baltimore for two third-round picks. This 2024 and 2025 third-round picks. That's what they put out there as a hypothetical trade. The trade deadline is less than two weeks away. I believe it's October 31st. So people, teams got to make decisions on whether they're going to trade guys. And as you know, we've got four defensive ends that are not under contract after the after this year. That includes, of course, really five. That includes Chase and Montez, of course, who are not under contract. And the star of last week, Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams, F.A. Obata, they're all on the last year of their contracts. Who are they going to sign? Who are they going to trade? Are they going to trade anybody in order to get something for them? Because one of those guys is walking at the end of the year. They're not signing both those defensive ends. They might not sign either one. They might go and sign two Hill and James Smith Williams. And that's your ends for next year. Just saying their defense hasn't been spectacular with those guys with Montez and chase anyway. So why wouldn't you put your resources into other parts, mainly offensive line, uh, defensive backs, things like that uh, going forward. So that was a trade rumor. Look, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I'd do that trade. Uh-oh, hit me in the comments. If you're if you're mad, I would do that trade. Two third-rounders for Chase Young, I'd do it. I'd do it. Sorry, I'd do it. If he really wants to be here, then you can re-sign him in the offseason after he becomes a free agent after being with Baltimore. I'm sorry. If, if you're mad at me, hit the like button. If you agree with me, hit that like button. <laughs> All right, so uh, the next one here is uh, at practice today. They did practice. The Both coordinators spoke in the press conferences. Didn't really say anything that, that we weren't expecting, but Kendall Fuller did not practice again today. Didn't practice yesterday, didn't practice today. That's not good. Aside from that rough game he had uh, two games ago against um, uh, against the Bears and DJ Moore, He's been really solid this year. He's been very, very good. He was excellent against um, Atlanta with, what do you have? He had nine tackles in that game against Atlanta. So um, so keep an eye on that situation with uh, Kendall Fuller, maybe not playing. Emmanuel Forbes time. Emmanuel Forbes time. He's going to be coming back probably. You're, you're probably going to have Forbes and, and St. Juiced on the outside. Okay, and uh, of course, um, Danny Johnson uh, acquitted himself quite well in this last game, so we'll see what happens with Kendall Fuller's knee. Interesting little tidbit here coming up for this game in that, uh, as John Kime is reporting, the crew, the, the officials, the referees that are working this game are the same ones that worked last year the game in which Terry McLaurin got called for being on the line of lining up on the line of scrimmage when they scored a touchdown he checked with the guy and the guy said he was fine and then threw a flag on him you all remember that right so the touchdown didn't count and then what happens you had the pass interference that they did not call in the end zone right you remember that catch that uh Heineke just had to F it throw it up there and and, and see what happens and then I think it was Dotson was getting just pummeled or maybe it was Samuel. I can't remember this. I do know we were at the game 
And where we were sitting, that play happened right down in front of us. And we were screaming for pass interference. Anyway, it's the exact same crew. Oh, it was Samuel, as John Kine pointed out here. I probably should have read the whole thing. Um, we were screaming that that was pass interference. But it's the same crew that's going to be working this game that worked that game. So find that a little bit interesting. All right, before we go, listen, again, make sure you hit that like and subscribe. I am going to do a real quick film session. It's not going to be anything fancy, but it's really interesting about Khalid Hudson. He had 10 defensive snaps this past week against Atlanta. He made the most of them. He had three tackles. Well, he had, he had two unassisted and one assisted tackle. And I'm going to show those plays here um, uh, in this film session. So stick around, check it out. I won't keep you too long, but you're going to see why we think Kali Hudson should be getting more playing time.